evening, everyone, and welcome to the final installment of Tales of Terror. I'm your host, Jason, and this is The Detailing Mind. I'm hoping everyone is having a really good Halloween. Hope you got all your trick-or-treating in and you're now relaxing and uh, enjoying the rest of what is the month of October. These last three episodes here for October and the Halloween season are brought to you by Angie's Treasure Chest. Visit angiestreasurechest.com and pick up some items tonight. Once again, my favorite is the mesh mask. Comes complete with a filter, breathing ports, an adjustable nose strap to help it fit, form fit to your face, as well as an LED panel built right into the mesh. And using an app on your phone, you can make it say whatever you want to. You can put designs on there, drawings. Pick it up today, angiestreasurechest.com. I'd also like to give a shout out to Wizards of the Coast for this board game that I'm using. It's called Betrayal at the House on the Hill. And I've been using this board game to generate some of these stories. For those of you who know me, I'm a big board game fan. And nothing says a good board game like a horror-themed game. So if you get a chance, check out this board game. I highly recommend it. They do have a couple expansion packs that are out that I've played here and there, but I've only got the basic model. So um, do check it out. It's a fun game to play with friends and family. And as you can see, it comes out with some pretty interesting stories uh, that mix and match. Um, if you remember those Choose Your Adventure Goosebump books, that's kind of the theme behind some of these, is you can choose your own adventure based off of what rooms you go into. Um, different rooms will have different uh, events or things that happen, and depending on what room you're in and what event you get will kind of trigger some sort of a, a doomsday scenario, if you will, that uh, turns a whole night awry. So definitely pick it up and check it out. I think it's really fun. And I recommend playing uh, and, and enjoying the game. So, um, so that's all I have uh, before we get into this final episode of Tales of Terror. This one's called Double Date. Let's get into it. Man, Brandon, can't believe you're dating a college girl. Yeah, Darren, I know. It's pretty sweet, isn't it? replied Brandon. So what's her name? I've never met her before. Our name's uh, Zostra. Zostra? Sounds like she could be a a palm reader or something at some two-bit carnival. Brandon just left. Yeah, she's kind of into astrology and some of this new age spiritualism stuff, but she's a pretty cool girl. Darren's girlfriend, Heather, also walking in the group, nudged him. That's not nice to say. You don't know anything about her and you're making fun of her already? Ah, we're just having fun, replied Darren. Brandon knows I love him. He's one of the guys. Come on. Darren and Brandon have been friends for years. All the way back into elementary. Darren took the more sports jock route. And Brandon took the way of the nerd, getting into computers 
technology, stuff like that. But they still remained a close friendship despite the, the change in their uh, um, interests. The three finally approached a house with what looked like Zostra standing outside. Hey, honey, how's it going? said Brandon. The two exchanged a mutual kiss and then the usual pleasantries of introducing your friends to your new love. Well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed to come and meet me at this uh, haunted house. I heard it's really awesome. And I think it's a place, I mean, it looks a little dead, but uh, I guess that's the whole meaning behind a haunted house, right? The four just shared a chuckle, and they walked in, shutting the door behind her. The creak and the slam startled Heather as she shut the door, but thought nothing of it as they realigned their attention towards the hallway. It was dimly lit, and it looked abandoned for years. Yep, definitely going for the haunted house look, aren't they? Replied Zostra. Well, I guess we should split up and find our way out, huh? That's what I heard, is you, you kind of go through a maze almost and just kind of go room to room and almost like an escape room. I guess I'll take the lead since I'm the one who, uh, who uh, invited the group and uh, encouraged us going to this. Sasha decided to walk down the hallway to the second door on the left and entered into a room with a huge pool of blood splattered right in the middle of it. Very odd, but... If that's the only thing that was in the room, then... Not much of a scare now, would it be? She fumbled around and kicked up against something that sounded like it was made out of leather. Bending down to to look at it, hidden amongst the shadows, looked like an old medical kit... Cersei 1950, 55, something like that. It was really old. Into some of the nostalgia, Zostra picked it up and looked it over. Definitely a vintage metal, medical kit bag. Something that you would see one of those doctors use who would make home visits centuries, decades ago. Zostra continued further on and into the next room. The next room was decorated like a graveyard. Tombstones popping up, what looked like fresh graves, newly dug, and then piled. Very, very meticulous attention to detail, she thought. What was even more adorable was there's a cute little puppet propped up against one of the tombstones, holding a little tiny spear. Suddenly it lunged at her, stabbing her right in the shoulder. Stumbling around, shocked, Zasha thought to herself, this is real. She could feel the life actually draining out of her from her shoulder, the wound just pouring out blood as the tiny little spear just stuck out of her only inches from her flesh. Continuing to stumble, she fell to the ground, 
digging at in the old metal medical bag that she had found in the previous room, trying to find anything that she could find that would help her out. Meanwhile, Brandon, Zasha's new fling, decided to take the door right next to the one that she went through. First door on the left and walk through it and into a kitchen. The refrigerator door was left wide open with spoiled food just oozing down the racks. Brenda had to reflex a little bit from the, the, the rotten egg smell and grotesque aroma of rotted food. Sitting on the kitchen table was a spirit board. Picking up, he looked it over. It looked like it still had some functionality to it. But what a great gift it would be for his new fling. Zostra would love it. It goes right up the alley for astrology and New Age spiritualism, he thought. She was always talking about spirits and talking to the dead and and uh, what it must be like to be a, a ghost stuck in between worlds. Found a nice little neat way to tuck it into under his arm and kept on going. Finding a side door to the kit in, in the kitchen, he decided to go in and found himself in the same bloody room that his lady was in just previously. But seeing none of the other doors open, decided to go straight ahead completely missing the fact that his love was in the next room, on the ground bleeding. Continue straight ahead and into a garden. Sitting on a stone bench with somebody's cell phone, probably somebody who had gone through the, the labyrinth of spooky horrors an hour before or something. He picked it up, thinking that there'd be a lost and found box somewhere towards the exit. But suddenly, it rang. Puzzled, he looked down at it and hit the the green button on the lower right side of the screen. Hello? He asked. I, I found your phone here in the uh, haunted house uh, maze. Um, you should come and pick it up. There was a long pause with a little bit of breathing. And finally somebody said, I'm here, sweetie. Give us a kiss. Then suddenly this the phone went silent as the line clicked in disconnection. Brandon felt a little creeped. That voice sounded so familiar. He couldn't put his couldn't put his finger on who it was that that, that it sounded like. But he knew it was somebody from his past. But feeling creeped out as he did, he continued on. They're doing a really good job of making this haunted house maze seem real. Darren decided to run up to the second floor. But finding nothing up there at first, decided to come right back down again. 
totally psyched about how accurate he thought this maze was. He was going from picture to picture frame, door to door, just really excited about it. Man, I love Halloween. This is awesome. I gotta do this every year. Dan approached the second door on the right from the main corridor and walked into yet another corridor. But suddenly the lights went out. Stumbling around, he looked for his cell phone. Maybe he can get his, his flashlight on that working. No such luck. Phone was dead. He continued to stumble around. If he could find a charger or something like that, he could plug his phone in before he continued. But kept going anyway. He continued through the corridor and into a, a ballroom. Look, it hadn't been used for, for ages. There's a piano, an old Victorian uh, couch sitting in the corner, probably for guests to sit on when they got tired of dancing. But behind the piano was what struck his, his fancy. He saw a crack in the wall. Approaching it, he slowly creaked the piano out of the way. It wasn't quite the size of a grand piano, but it was pretty close. It took most of Darren's strength just to move it away enough so he could wiggle his way behind it and look and peer into the crack. Sure enough, it looked like some sort of a secret passage. Opening the doorway wide enough, he decided to venture inside. The tunnel was dark and narrow, but he was able to stand straight up in, in, as he slid through, coming out into a storeroom on the other side. Looking around, there wasn't much, but there was a really nice pair of gloves. Almost reminding him of batting gloves. Grabbed them and put them in his pocket, he continued fumbling around for anything else of value that he could find. Heather just watched for a moment as her boyfriend was losing his mind going up the stairs and back down the stairs and going off into another room. She heard him fumbling around in there but decided he was just being a klutz like he normally was. She decided to take the first door on the right and came into a game room. She just felt startled though because she thought she, it was just her and her group of friends but there were two boys just in the huddle in the corner playing talking to each other. Tommy, I want to play at the top now. Wait your turn, Billy. Wait your turn, Billy. But Tommy, I want to play at the top now. The two little boys continued to argue. But then one suddenly grabbed the toy top that he was playing with and beating the other boy over the head with it. Gasping, Heather jolted backwards up against the door. But then suddenly, the two boys vanished. Fear started to strike into her. Heather ran across the room and into the next room where she found a dining room. Picking up 
a book that she saw on the table, she decided to thumb through it. A couple pictures here and there, but otherwise it looked almost like a sports magazine, if you will. Pictures, some text, maybe some old entertainment magazine from, from decades ago. She rolled it up and shoved it into her back pocket and continued on. She decided to take a door to the side in the side of the room and find herself in the ballroom. The piano had been ajarred, moved around, and in the corner behind the piano was the door, wide open, leading to what looked like a little a, a, a narrow corridor, secret passage, if you will. However, not wanting to get into such a narrow crawl space, she decided to go back into the, into the uh, through the door that her boyfriend Darren had been in earlier, unaware of his previous passing, and back into the corridor. They had the lights blown out, and from there back to the main hallway. Meanwhile, Zostro is getting frantic. She was still fumbling around, lying on the ground in the graveyard. The little spear that the little creepy gnome thing had was starting to ache. She knew that she needed to do something quick or else her wound would get infected. Fumbling around in the medical bag, she finally came across some pills tossing them into the back of her mouth and swallowing them. She waited a few minutes and started to feel better. Maybe that would do the trick. She slowly got up to her feet and worked her way back into the uh, the room with the blood splatter in the middle on the middle of the floor, which she had been earlier. Looking around, she noticed that one of the other doors had been opened. And to her left, in what looked like a garden, was her boyfriend. He was just kind of standing there, puzzled, looking at a phone. So she joined him. She tried to explain to Brandon how she that she got a wound, that, that something in the, in the house attacked her. But Brandon, trying to be the macho man, just played it off. I oh, don't worry, they're just acting, you know. They, they, I guess they got a little too rough, you know. Sometimes that happens in some of these haunted houses. They, the actors go a little too far and they accidentally uh, scrape you or something like that. It's been done to me a couple times, so don't worry about it. It's all cool. We'll, we'll get it checked out once we uh, you know, get done with the, the maze here. But if you'd like, you can just hang out with me and we'll just kind of walk through it together. Zostra agreed that'd be a good idea, and the two of them continued together. They walked through the, the door on the other end of the garden got them, and got into a hallway. By this time, though, Zostra was panting. She was out of breath. She, she needed to stop for a second 
recollect. She showed her boyfriend the old vintage doctor's bag and said to go on ahead of him, go on ahead of her, and that she would fumble around here and see if there's something that she could patch up her wound. Brendan agreed and said he'd check out the other room, being on point or something. Probably one of his video game uh, lingos that he picked up. Brandon looked at three of the options he had. He could either go continue going straight, make a left-hand turn in the hallway, or a right-hand turn. Brandon decided to go to the right and walked into a room blackened with soot. Charred from what looked like perhaps maybe an oven fire or something. The soot was, was, was greasy and, and grimy. And covered in the soot lying on the ground looked like a little necklace with a medallion on it. He picked it up, brushed it off, and slid it into his pocket, continuing to look around. Meanwhile, Darren, getting bored in the, the storehouse, decided to try another room. Still kind of fumbling around in the dark without any light source. He got to the main landing for the stairwell, yelling down, Hey guys, I found the stairs! But could not find anything. Could not hear anybody. Nobody replied to him. Shrugging, he just decided to keep looking around. Meanwhile, as we're in the house, Zoster decided to just empty the medical kit, tossing all of its contents onto the, in, in, into the hallway, shifting around, looking for something that she could use. Much to her del- dis- delight, she did find something. She found some bandage, some gauze. She was able to clean her wound and wrap it up. Leaving what remained of the medical kit behind, she joined Brandon in the other room, and the two of them continued on into the next room beyond that. Well, it looked like a conservatory, some sort of greenhouse. As the two walked in, some sort of slight rumble started to shake the, the conservatory. And it came from the center of the room, the source being a well. Suddenly, a shadowy, angry-looking being rose up out of the well and lunged at both of them. The two dove out of the way, just barely escaping the grasps of this shadowy creature. They thudded against the floor, tucked, ducked, and rolled. By the time they were on their backs getting ready to bounce back up in the air, the shadowy creature had already descended back to the well's lip, 
and slowly slithered back down into the darkness. Starting to get freaked out that this was no ordinary Spookville uh, haunted house maze. Brandon and his girlfriend Zostra decided now is the time to find the exit and get the hell out. Both were starting to get really shooken up and they knew that this was not what they had signed up for. Rather than taking the stairs down, Darren decided to stay on the, on the second floor and continue exploring. He stumbled into another room adjacent to the storeroom to find what looked like a gallery overlooking the ballroom. Set on the railing, he found a crystal ball. Probably no more the size than a golf ball. Something really small. Almost like one of those small little snow globes that you get at the the airport uh, gift shop while traveling. Had a very dull base to it that the crystal ball sat on. Which kind of gave him the impression that it was probably just a snow globe anyway. But, once again, finding another souvenir, Darren pocketed it. While Darren was stumbling around, looking through the gallery, picking up stuff, digging at stuff, his girlfriend decided to venture upstairs, but did not see him over in the room, and instead went into another room adjacent to the to, J, to Darren's, and found herself in the attic. She fumbled around in the attic a little bit, and find and found a uh, a small pink little rabbit's foot on a little chain. I remember having one of these, she thought. Can never remember what happened to it. Reminiscing about her childhood, Heather just naturally grabbed the lucky rabbit's foot and pocketed it. Meanwhile, back on the first floor, Zostra and Brandon were getting pretty freaked out. They could not find the exit. And they did not want to stay in this house much longer. They went through another door and found an elevator. Jumping in, they decided to take it for a ride up to the second floor. Tapping on the the button, the doors closed and they started up. A little slow at first, but then it started moving. But then right before the elevator got to the second floor and clicked into place and and the ding chimed its announcement, a shutter rocked the whole elevator compartment, hinting that the two should grab onto something. Because even though it was a short fall back down, it was about to get reckless. The elevator shook and just plummeted back down to the first floor. Loud crash echoing through the whole house. 
Zostra was the first to get up, unscathed by the whole ordeal. Unfortunately for her boyfriend, Brandon's arm was broken. Right around his elbow, just popped right out. Brandon was on the ground holding it, wincing, oohing, oohing, over and over again. You could tell he was really trying to impress her and man up for it. Not crying or not making too much of a scene. But he was in pain. Not hearing the commotion below, though, Darren continued on wandering around and came into a master bedroom. He fumbled around before noticing on the bed itself there was an odd-looking object. It was a skull. But the skull was... Half of it was, like, ripped in half. Like, somebody tried to go at the top of the skull, crack it open, and open it like a nut. As he examined it, a little pang hit Darren's head. Almost like a stress headache. Just boom, a little ping right there on the right side of his head. Shaking it off, he continued to look at the skull. And that little ping that would pop up just randomly turned into a headache. Almost like being hung over. Darren dropped the skull and rubbed his temple. Eyes getting a little blurry from the headache. But it wasn't over yet. That headache turned into a skull split in agony. Doubling Darren over. Felt like his head was being ripped in half. And that's literally what was happening. He started screaming, wailing, as he felt his head rip into two. Almost like a zipper parting the teeth on a jacket. So too did Darren literally just rip into two. As he ripped into two, his flesh turned to scale. And before the process of splitting him in half could, could, could end, his body turned into a full two-headed snake. Screaming from down the hallway was Heather. She watched the whole ordeal. She watched him bend over and then suddenly starting at the tip of his head, split in half like a butter knife and like an invisible butter knife cutting butter in two. She screamed and screamed. One head ventured off into another room not yet, to, not yet explored, while the other half took interest in the screaming former girlfriend. She could not believe her eyes. 
She dropped the book. She dropped everything that she had picked up. By luck, the book or the magazine, whatever it was, Almanac, opened to a page upon landing on the ground where it showed a fabled two-headed snake. Grabbing it, she picked it up. and quickly ran downstairs into the main foyer. Before she got to the front door, she stopped and looked around, once again reverting her eyes to the magazine. In there it talked about needing to cast a spell to weaken the monster, and then to kill it before it could grow so large that its cocoon, this house, could no longer keep it and it would be unleashed into the world. But not wanting to stay in the house any longer, Heather ran for the door and tried the doorknob. It was locked. The door was just jammed shut. There's nothing that she could do to pry that door open from its from its frame. Hearing the screams of Darren upstairs, Zostra and Brandon came scrambling back out towards the hallway, yelling and screaming for Darren and for Heather. Already trying the front door, Heather heard their screams and doubled back over and and met them in the gardens where the two had originally met up. Explaining that she, could, she tried the door to at least get it propped open so that everyone could get out, but to no avail. She then mentioned what the almanac said. Joining in the discussion was Zostra, talking about how her spiritual awakening and, and studies had brought her into mythology and some of the creatures from ancient myth. And one of them was a two-headed snake, probably the original story for the Medusa or for the Hydra. And she collaborated as well, that there needed to be a special ritual that was completed in the presence of this snake so that they could go and attack the head and kill it. As they talked about this, they made their way back to the main hallway in an attempt to once again fruitlessly tried to open the door but when they realized they could not open the door they knew what they had to do they had to stop this snake from growing so large that it would consume the house and go out into the rest of the world Zostra and Brandon decided to go to the stairs because they knew that they had to get the skull. The skull was a key part to that whole ritual. But what awaited them at the top of the stairs was one of the heads of the snake, slithering, arching upwards and then backwards, hissing at them menacingly. Then it lunged, snapping onto the injured shoulder that Zostra had just nursed back to semi-decent health 
just mere minutes ago. She screamed as the teeth just dug into her shoulder blade. Luckily, Brandon was able to start hitting it and the head released from Zosha's shoulder and the three managed to work their way up the staircase. Unfortunately for them, the other head, hearing all the commotions, had returned from where it had went earlier and started making its way down the hallway towards them at the top of the stairwell. hoping that they could get past the head of the snake if they worked together and get to the skull and then from there required what they needed to cast the ritual to weaken the vitality of the snake. They tried to work as a team. Heather went first to try to slip past going around one way while the others went opposite ways. And she drew the shortest straw. Taking notice to Heather, the head turned and snapped at her. Going for her shoulder and neck, making contact at the shoulder blade and burying its teeth deep into her. Screaming as it took her to the ground, Heather wailed, Darren, please, Darren, please as if the snake had any kind of resemblance of its former self. Letting it go as she hit the ground, the snake recoiled back and then lunged forward for the death blow, silencing Heather's pleas. By this time, the other head was starting to return from down below on the first level, making its way back up the stairs. Brandon made a made a, a, a quick attempt to get the skull. Doing a football move if there's a fumble. Picking up the ball and then running. Only this time it was the, the skull. Though not much of a sports fan or an athlete himself, when the time called for it, Brandon delivered. He got the skull and started flipping through the magazine. Zosha was right next to him, trying to find any way that any kind of ritualistic uh, seance or spell that they could use to weaken the head. A hissing noise re-averted their attention back to the rest of the room to find the snake sitting there. Pushing Brandon to the side, Zostra moved towards the door. Taking the bait, the snake coiled and then lunged at Zostra. Pitting her up against the wall, biting into her shoulder, releasing, and then going for the jugular. 
She slowly slid down the side of the wall, already dead before her body completely collapsed in the corner. Do or die. Bran was the only one left. He had to find the spell that would save his life. Reading through, he finally finds the page and he attempts to recite the incantation that would weaken the beast and give him a, a sporting chance to get out of there alive. As he starts it, the snake stops and stares at him. He continues and continues and finally comes to the end. And then the snake just hisses and buries its teeth deep into his arm. Screeching, Brendan drops the magazine as he starts flailing, doing whatever he can to get the snake to release his, his arm so that he could try to escape. Oh, crap, he yelled aloud. Did I just pull an ash? Did I just evil dead myself? Did I mispronounce something? He didn't have time to really consider whether or not he had mispronounced a word or if it just failed altogether. Because by now, the snake had regrouped and was now gnawing on his leg. And before he knew it, the snake was dragging him, wrapping its big body around his leg and then his torso. And the last thing he remembers is being is feeling the life being squeezed out of him. And a slight hissing noise before everything went black. I'm your host, Jason, and I hope you enjoyed this third and final episode of Tales of Terror and this special Halloween edition. Stay safe out there, trick-or-treating, everyone, and I'll see you next month.